everybody. Welcome to Retronauts Pocket. Uh, once again, I'm Ray Barnholt. Joining me is Bob Mackey. Hey. On the line, Jeremy Parrish. Hey, hey. And returning guest from the last main episode, Justin Haywall. Whoa. <laughs> that, was, that was my fat Albert impression. And this week, we're directly following up from last week, something we don't do that much, but we're talking about some games of Game Center CX. Now, uh, as we mentioned on that last show, Game Center CX is as educational as it is entertaining, I would say. It's infotainment. People have discovered lots of crazy Japanese games through the show, or in our case, we've also discovered them and seen them beyond the first level, as we also talked about. <laughs> so uh, me and Jeremy and Bob at least, uh, Justin, I don't know if you want to jump in, but we did pick out – uh, one game each, uh, one episode essentially of Games for CX and the game of it. And we're just going to talk about it a little bit. Hmm. And uh, I think I'll start. And uh, I'm going to start with Atlantis No Nazo or uh, The Mystery of Atlantis, which was the first episode of the second season when it was they, – they retooled it to make it only about the crazy challenges and keep Arno in the room as long as he can. <laughs> so Atlantis Onazo is a Sunsoft Famicom game from 1986 and this was back when a game with the word Nazo in it or mystery was something that was bound to upset you. <laughs> and this one, Atlantis, was one of the quote-unquote highlights of this. And this was also an early Sunsoft game before their game started to get like really hi-fi, let's say, really high quality and uh, sort of become known as they were in America. But before they were known in America for their high-quality games, they made some dinkier sort of Famicom games before that. In this game, you send, it's a platformer. You play uh, an explorer apparently searching for Atlantis. And uh, what this involves is essentially running and jumping through a series of 101 interconnected rooms, which the game calls, calls zones, uh, in a nonlinear fashion. I mean, uh, some, in some respects, this is not Metroid because you do see hard transitions between zones and, you know, you enter a door and then all of a sudden you flash and then it's in, into the next one. And really no two zones are the same. Um, so you really have to find a way through this vague maze of screens in the game and survive as well because uh, the enemies are – I wouldn't say unpredictable, but they do move in a way that doesn't really complement the hero's physics, which are also very floaty and slippery. <laughs> so he'll do these giant floaty jumps and all this. And you see this on the episode <laughs> because Arino just has the hell a hell of a time trying to get through it and he's slipping off ledges. And all this stuff. And it gets very maddening. And there's also lots of narrow platforms as well. So that doesn't help. I, I think it's worth saying that you um, you said, you know, you're, you're fighting your way through 101 rooms. But this is not kind of one of those uh, single screen early Famicom platformers, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, door door or something. Um, yeah. Each room is, you know, it, it can be a very fairly large scrolling space, uh, like a contiguous space. And um, I, I guess you kind of need to understand that this game came along pretty early in the Famicom's life, and it was in that period, like right after Super Mario Brothers, where people were like, oh, platforming, that's pretty cool. We should do that. Yeah. Let's see. Um, let's try to do something different. And they would, you know, go about it all kinds of not necessarily smart ways, and uh, a lot of a lot of early video game thinking is involved in this, where it's just like completely illogical puzzles, things that were just thrown in there to obfuscate gameplay. Because you know, you spent money on this game, 
you had to spend your time to, to, to get through it. And you see that a lot in the episode, too, where he picks up items or he's just going into a room and he has no idea what mm-hmm. to do or what this thing he's picked up is going yeah. to do later. Or Yeah, exactly. And that's that's another big thing is that you can't really reach the proper ending without taking notes or having a tra- strategy guide mm-hmm. because all these rooms also have – will have traps in them. Traps that are sort of like warps, you know, they'll warp you in any direction because, again, this is nonlinear. You can go from like, you know, let's say uh, hypothetically like the 23rd zone to the 42nd or what have you, something like that. And then, you know, or and then you need to find a warp which will actually warp you forward but that needs to be revealed with a certain method like you need to go in another room first or you need to uh, drop a bomb at a certain spot that will suddenly summon the door out of thin air and – or jump a several times on one spot. Things like that that again were just really – sort of a weird hallmark of games of this sort of uh, uh, pocket of time. And then uh, – Back when obtuse and fun were the same. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think games like Atlantis Nonazo um, draw at least as much from something like Tower of Druaga – as from Super oh, yeah. Mario Brothers, you know, there's there's the idea of like you have to make it through the game, and you need all these secret items to get through it, but they're hidden in in non obvious ways, and you just have to keep kind of smashing your head against the the game until you figure it out, or talk to friends, or buy a strategy guide. Like Tower Tower, Tower of Drago was a huge hit for Namco in the early Famicom days, and I think a lot of people yeah. were like, oh, people like this, let's make a game like this. Yeah, it's sort of taking that arcade philosophy and thinking that everybody would love it. But instead, it's like you're just making games for yeah, kids, boys, I suppose, who just want the hardest possible challenge and want to be maddened by this for months mm-hmm. on end. And that just happened for quite a while on Famicom. I mean, sure, there were lots of hard games after that. But this is weird sort of uh, period of time. Because also, I mean, even Mario did it because Super Mario Bros. 2 Lost Levels came out the same year. And that is also all about being for super players. You have to get through another 32-plus yep. levels that are super crazy. Uh, as I mean, they're all just drawing from the uh, harder, faster, more challenging Qbert tradition. I don't <laughs> yes. know if I got that name right. Uh-huh. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think th- there, there really faster, was... more challenging there... everything. All right. Yeah, there really was that um, that kind of early arcade mindset of, oh, you liked this game and you think you're good, but check it out. We made it twice as hard and not necessarily by playing fair. So F you, have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, one of the trap rooms is just a black void where you fall and die endlessly until you get a game over. <laughs> <laughs> so watch out for that Yay. one. Be fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's a little bit about Atlantis Nonazo. Uh, interesting postscript is that... Uh, Activision licensed this game from Sunsoft, localized it, and intended to release it in America as Super Pitfall 2. Now, uh, in fairness, Super Pitfall is definitely a similar game. You also play an explorer in this somewhat vague world, and it's really long and inscrutable. Um, but this was, they were also going to release it in 1989, and as a 1986-level quality game, mm. probably would have been the least of, of the problems they would have had in <laughs> trying to sell it. Um, so they abandoned that idea. However, it was fully done and the prototype ROM is out there now. Just look for that Super Pitfall 2 ROM if you want to try it out. And actually, they did actually, uh, tie up some loose ends of the Japanese version. They did make things not, not, uh, less hard, but a little bit easier to figure out. Um, I don't, actually, I don't, that, uh, Endless Void trap room I mentioned, I think doesn't, 
I think it leaves you with one life or something instead of just totally giving you a game over or something that just warps you backward. Well, so, it sounds like that was probably a bug, and that was just one of those things I, where like, well, let's uh, not fix that. That can be debated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, no, yeah, right. It's like, yeah, no, that's good. Those oh, were okay. kind of in Star Tropics, those kind of traps. Like, you wanted to go this way? Well, too bad. Mm, yeah. You didn't know you were going to die, but now you're going to die. Yeah. So I, I uh, we probably dodged a bullet there. But then I think we got so. other games that were modified, you know, like Ninja Gaiden 3 or whatever that were made harder for us or something. And so it goes both ways, I guess. But anyway. Um, Ray, if you had to pick, which do you think is the better game? Atlantis Nonazo or Super Pitfall? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, gosh. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, because I have played Super Pitfall and I... I'd, uh, I would say I don't have a sentimental feeling towards it, but I, I do remember, you know, trying to figure it out when I rented it a long time ago. It's definitely a rickety game, <laughs> but I feel like Atlantis No Nazo was a bit better put together, even if it is really uh, crazy and the physics are kind of weird. It still has a semblance of care put into it. Right. Yeah, Don't think I, Super I would, Pitfall did. <laughs> yeah. I would I would I would have to say Atlantis Nonazo also. I, I think that even I, I don't know if I could necessarily say that it's put together better, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's a much more ambitious game. Like that the game tries to do a lot, and I think part of the jankiness of the game is because there's so little ROM space on those old uh, Famicom cartridges. Yeah. Like there's just so much information they can fit in there, and they tried to put hundred and one different stages in there with lots of hidden secrets and lots of varied enemies and interesting traps and that sort of thing. And they were doing it in, you know, like half, half an animated GIFs memory space. Not even that, like, like, a, <laughs> yes. like, a, you know, like the, the, the icon on your computer desktop for your hard drive is probably about the same amount of data as they had for that entire video game. Hmm. Yeah. So within, within those limitations and, you know, they were, they're kind of writing, the edge of game design, like, no one really knew how to make a good exploratory platformer back then. It had never really been done before. Yeah. So, you know, points for trying, even if they did a really kind of terrible job. Yeah. But anyway, that is The Mystery of Atlantis, and it is one of the better Game Series CX episodes. It's one of my favorite ones, um, which is pretty good for it being, like, the uh, technically the first episode where it was like really geared up to be about challenges, <laughs> and it's also on the uh, Retro Game Master DVD set that uh, we mentioned last episode as well, so you can find it on there. Um, all right, let's see who wants to go next. Jeremy, was it? Yeah, I'll, I'll go next um, because I think in a lot of ways the game that I've I kind of caught my interest from watching the Game Center or Retro Game Master DVDs is in in a sense sort of the successor to Atlantis Nonazo. It's mm-hmm. um Medulla no Tsubasa, or the Wing of Medulla. Yeah. Um and that's also by Sunsoft. Came out about a year after Atlantis Nonazo. Mm-hmm. And it feels like what they tried to do was take the various ambitions they had with Atlantis Nonazo and refine them a lot. You know, it has fewer levels, the levels are much bigger there's much less randomness and arbitrariness to how you discover things. It's much more of kind of a prototypical uh, yeah. uh, action-adventure platformer-type game. It's also interesting because it it might... Uh, I think it might be the first Famicom action game to star a female protagonist. I could be wrong about that, but it mm. was kind of unusual that you yeah. had, you know, like sort of your classic 80s 
anime girl as the, oh, the protagonist right. <laughs> instead of instead of some dude. Um, yeah, that's so, right. So you know, it, it gets points for that. But yeah, I, I watched the uh, the Medulla episode and and was really fascinated by this game because it's kind of this. It's a really sincere effort by Sunsoft to to step into the same space as, as games like Metroid and The Goonies 2 and Castlevania 2 and Zelda 2. A lot of sequels there. I guess if you look at this as Atlantis No Nazo 2, it kind of kind of works along those same lines. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Have you have you ever played it, Ray, or anyone else? I did not no, I don't remember playing it too seriously, but I have not. Of course I've seen I've seen the episode and uh yeah, I did get that sense as well. So it, it was relatively more polished than Atlantis was. And uh it does have more cohesion to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it has um it has a different theme. Instead of being like uh, you know, an Indiana Jones kind of adventure, uh with some sort of hapless uh adventure uh archaeologist, it's it's more of a classic high fantasy sword and sorcery type thing. Um the the, the character you play as Lucia um starts out with a sword that's really pathetically weak. And, um, as you play through the levels, you'll find these doors that you can go into. And inside the doors, there are just different power-ups that you collect. And, um, it's one of those games that we mentioned in last episode where to continue, you don't just press continue. Uh, <laughs> it takes you back to the, to the title screen whenever you die, which can be really frustrating. But if you hold down select, then press start, then you'll be able to choose which level you begin from. Yeah. And depending on the level you begin from, it actually carries through the uh, the equipment that you had when you started that level. So even though you're sent back to the beginning of the game, if you use the secret, I don't even know why it's secret, why they couldn't just put it out there because it exists in the game. Um, but if you use the secret continue code, then you don't have to start from the beginning. You can start from the most recent level, uh, fully powered up with all your new weapons and magic spells and things like that. Um, but, but, you know, it has kind ah, of yes. a, a, a very limited inventory system. Lucia starts out, like I said, with just a sword, but she gathers magic. She gets power-ups, um, and you can pause the game and then cycle through to, to change her weapons. Um, so I don't know, like, it's, it has some problems. The, the, uh, physics are really floaty and weird, and, um, enemies attack you constantly from all directions, and there's no real mercy invincibility when you get hit. Like, you get hit and you just keep taking damage. So your life meter starts at 1,000, but it runs down really fast. And um, as Arno discovered in the in the episode, it's really easy to exploit a lot of the bosses. Um, there's one spell you get where uh, it just sends out fireballs uh, in, a, in a vertical spray yeah. above and below your character. And uh, you can stand on ledges above bosses and just spam that and, and destroy them without ever having <laughs> to worry about losing any health on your own. So, you know, yeah. it's really rough in a lot of ways, but it has charm. Like, the music's pretty good. The graphics are pretty solid for their time. Uh, and again, it, like Atlantis and Anazo, it's, it's, it was a really ambitious game for the time that didn't necessarily work. But you could see that, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's the same team as Atlantis and Anazo, but, you know, coming from the same developer, you can, like, see them starting to puzzle out what makes a good video game, what's fair. What is, you know, what will be enjoyable yeah. for people to do? And this one didn't quite hit it, but they were getting closer. And, you know, eventually Sunsoft would create a very similar sort of spiritual successor to this in Blaster Master a few, a few years later. And that was a much, much better game. Still a little unfair, but, 
a greatly refined refined game. So you kind of you kind of see them kicking around this this problem and slowly getting there until they finally create a classic. Yeah, yeah. I like how you put that too. How they were just trying to puzzle things out and yeah, and figure things out as they were going along, and eventually learn. You know, you learn from your mistakes. And what do you know? The ugly duckling becomes a lovely swan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Medulla is one of those games that I I would like to tackle sometime for Anatomy of Games. Maybe uh, when I'm feeling kind of adventurous, because there is some interesting stuff going on there. But at the same time, it's also kind of a mess and really unfriendly and unfair. It, it, I think it would be an interesting case study, like to compare that to something sort of contemporary like Metroid or Goonies 2 and say, like, why do those games work in places where this one doesn't? Yeah, right. So would you recommend it in more of a historical sense? Or do you think people should try I, it out? I guess or? if you, you know, if you if you have an interest in the style of game and the Metroidvania style of game and are just kind of curious about how those things sort of shaped up, I do think that's one of those games that you need to look at. It, it's probably more of a historical footnote than anything else, but it's it's still kind of interesting, kind of valuable. You know, I, I'd put it maybe in the same category as Deadly Towers, which is ah. Uh, you know, a game that tries a lot and is too <laughs> opaque and too difficult to be really fair and doesn't really have the controls and, and refinement that it needs to work. But by God, there was, there was a lot of ambition behind it. Like they really, they, they were, they were not content just to make a puzzle, you know, platformer or a maze chase Pac-Man clone or something, or even, even just like a Super Mario Brothers ripoff, like Adventure Island, like they wanted to do more. They wanted to bring RPG elements into the genre, and they did a really crappy job of it. But you know, <laughs> they they made the effort, and that's that's kind of commendable. You, you have to have those halting first steps ta- taken in order to to advance. That is very true. Very true. Um, do either of you guys watch that episode at least? Or? I haven't seen it. No. Okay. Yep. That's fine. Yeah. I will now. I don't quite remember Justin? that one. I do not remember that episode. I might I might have seen it back a long time ago. So now, it's the one where he keeps forgetting to hold down select oh, whenever yes. he continues. Oh, right. yeah. And eventually they like write it down for him and he still forgets. So then every time he dies, the assistant director like shouts out, holds down select. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to like go through this ritualized right. process where he calls back, like hold down select, press start. And then he finally beats it when he remembers, oh, right, I have to hit select. <laughs> uh, that's the part that stood out for me. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, I guess, uh, Bob, you want to go next? Sure. The one I chose is uh, Layla, uh, possibly ba- based on the Eric Clapton song, more likely based on Dirty Pair because it looks identical to Dirty Pair. And um, it was yeah. it came out maybe like a year after the, the anime aired. That and makes a lot of sense. Finally, yeah. a game that answers the question, what do you do when you get lonely? Hmm. <laughs> you don't play Layla because you, you might kill oh, you don't yourself. Play Layla. Yeah. Oh. Um, like like Ray's choice, mine is also from 1986, and it is a very 1986 Famicom game. It's a, a blisteringly hard uh, sort of run and gun shooter where um, it, it follows the same uh, rule of like Ninja Turtles and maybe like Ghostbusters 2 for the NES, where enemies are just like random things just flying around the screen at will with no like rhyme or reason uh, at all. Yeah. And basically everything is going to kill you in this game. And there are only eight stages. He gets through five before giving up. It's one of those games where they go past the time they're allotted. I think it's like twelve ten when he wraps up and just like that's enough. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really hard like uh, shooting game and um, it's sort of like uh, I guess you can compare it to Contra, but not really if you want to think about how it plays. But there's there's two parts of every stage. One is a just regular um, 
like sort of outdoorsy outer space uh, level, and then you go into the next level, which is a base. And those are where all the mazes are. So it has all of your BS Famicom maze stuff uh, mixed in there, where everything looks the same. So you basically have to write down like what en- what entrances you go into, what exits you you leave from, things like that. But yeah. there's there's more to this than that, though. Um, you can continue, but you need to find the continue token in every stage before it will give you a continue password, you know, when you die. And then the passwords are like 25 characters long and all they do is just bring you back to the beginning of the stage. There's like not a lot of information contained in that in that 30 characters Great. or whatever. But um, yeah, thanks. there's a few other things like it, it is not helped in the way that when you get down to a certain amount of health and I know like this is annoying in modern games too like Zelda where there'll be like a little beeping or whatever when you're down to one health or whatever like there are one heart. Well in this game everything that's black will flash red. That includes the entire background. So there's that part of it too yeah i mean it just like it is not it does not help you in any way and there's another thing too about the game where i think they sort of were thinking about it from a more arcade based uh co- like context where if you stay in one area too long this like tornado comes from nowhere and kills you <laughs> and it is possible yeah. because you can't scroll backwards it's possible to get, to get stuck in an area you can't jump out of I and mean, you just have to wait for death because there's no other way out of it i think that was their, their was their solution like oh this character gets stuck here i'll just kill him you know that, that'll, that'll be the way out of this scenario but um yeah. that sounds like a fix that's a solution to a problem that they had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a good solution, but uh, yeah, and it, like it is, it is uh, not a, a remarkable game, but I, I just find I really like the very difficult games because it does it does show off his lack of uh, pattern uh, recognition. He has a real problem with that, especially with yeah. the bosses and. Um, and it does look a lot like Wing of Medulla. <laughs> it does, and it's, it, it, yeah, it has the uh, the same kind of heroine figure, yeah. I guess. The character and, sprite's almost the same. Yeah, and I, and I feel like we could have gotten this game. It could have been remembered in the same like. In the same way that we remember, like things like Athena and things like sure, that, or like yeah. Chubby Cherub or whatever, because it seems like it's kind of torn from that same uh, era. But yeah, Layla, I don't know if you guys have any questions about it, but uh, it's, it's worth watching the episode. <clears throat> yeah, did you actually uh, play it? I didn't play it. No, no. Um, I, I had to run as soon as I finished the yeah. episode. But um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's hell, and like I said, he doesn't <laughs> finish it. Um, and uh, we do see the ending, though, where she's like, I should go on a diet because all the power-ups you pick up in the uh, game are just ice cream and cakes. So, <laughs> Yeah, not the most sensitive thing, especially when, you know, the front label of it. Like you said, very dirty parish. Oh, for sure, yeah. Cute anime girls with guns. Yep. <laughs> all you need to know. All right. So, Layla, yeah. Now, Justin, did you have anything? So we mentioned this earlier. I was a little... Uh, curious. So mine would have been Takeshi no Chosenjo, the okay. Takeshi's written challenge, because um, sure. that that's one that just stands out for me apart from all of the the regular games that yes, come out of the and US. It definitely has a reputation beyond Game Center CX. This is a game that n- I can't imagine anyone was asking for a localization for. But you said that people have been working on it. It's actually now playable in, in yeah, some form. There's an English US. patch. Yeah. What have you have you played it? Did you try it out? Uh, no, but I've seen little. Uh, Walkthroughs of it. To, to be fair, though, there isn't really that much text in the game, is there? No, I didn't. I didn't think so. I've, I've uh, seen playthroughs of it, like in Japanese, but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's very obscure. So Takeshi no Chosenjo is a game made by Beat or written written with Beat Takeshi, a yeah. comedian uh, over in Japan. It was published by Taito, mm-hmm. I think, also in 1986. But it was a game where I think he was saying basically. You need to play this not like a regular game. This is not yeah. a game that you have you can approach with the skills that you've learned as a gamer. He wants to just have you think about this in a different but politely to think about it in a different way. <laughs> yeah. But but in sure. actuality just to completely wreck your mind. Um, so like there is one part in a game where I think you have a conversation with someone in a bar and you literally have to put down the controller and not touch anything for over an hour. 
but then pick it up within af- right after that hour and like Somebody push a button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, it's based in a reality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it starts off with you basically just quitting your job. Because you're just some you know, you're some guy fed up with your job or something like that, or then then you then you're given this um, this severance essentially, and then you just go basically go around and go drinking. Yeah, you meet yep, uh, up a mob boss, get some money, and spend it at the pachinko parlor. You go home to your broken home, and your wife is yelling at you, and the kids are bouncing around. You're just like, screw this, I'm going to go do something else. And then you go to the bars, and you go to the karaoke, and you go to the pachinko parlors, <laughs> and it's all it basically just sort of. Uh, Coalesces in this uh, <laughs> cross, uh, like this international treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. Like you find out about this uh, special treasure, and then you go fly out to this exotic island to go search for this treasure. So it's basically it's it's, it's essentially those two halves, not not exactly halves, but it's <laughs> it's like that. And of course, you have to do everything in a certain pattern. And there are these weird sort of semi-realistic things, like having to set down the controller for quite a while and. There's and one where you sing karaoke, like the you know the Famicom had a built-in microphone then, and you go into a karaoke right. bar, and it rates you. You have to sing along as a karaoke song's playing, and it tells you. And I remember already know doing this and messing up a couple times because yeah. you have to get a good rating. Yeah. In this very very like a, a microphone that's obviously not doing, not actually going to pick up anything no. that you're doing. Very no, it well. just picks up tone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and I think they're all Enka songs, like. Kind of more traditional oh, sure. Japanese, not not like a fun pop song. These, yeah, <laughs> things that you would know if you're probably a big fan of BTS. Back in the back in the doldrums of karaoke, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, so it's not something I think that you were meant to to beat necessarily. It was more a game that's a practical joke on you. Yeah, and, and if you beat it eventually, you got a game over screen that was the end. There were so many. Like, I think one of the other parts of the game is that there are so many ways to fail. Like there was a, I think something in the beginning. Uh, in, in the beginning menu where it's like punch the – like you can start, continue, punch the old man. If you pick punch the old man, then it's game over. Yeah. yeah. And you instantly die and the game over screen is a shot of your funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you basically play as this brazen asshole mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing and it's all about just like uh, – I guess it's sort of a commentary on leaving your life behind and finding greater fortune. <laughs> But you also have to play through this rather difficult game. So, I mean, yeah, you go through the town and you basically just cast off everything. But then you have to play this shooting section where you're, I think, hang gliding to the exotic island. Mm-hmm. And it's this shoot 'em up section that's also pretty hard or, or at least, you know, at first hard to figure out. But if you go, the, if you go too early, like you can hang glide to the red island or something mm-hmm. like that where you can't get there. Like that's basically you either crash into the ground or crash into a mountain and you lose. Yes. And that's game over. Yeah. <laughs> or you, but you can punch everybody. You, like you can you can just punch everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Precursor to GTA. Yeah. It kind of, kind of reminds me of Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the NES in that way where oh, Eddie yeah. Valiant can just punch everyone in, in the streets. <laughs> another Women, way, men. <laughs> I think another way to win the game is just to like throw 35,000 punches in the beginning. And if you do that, then you also win. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Uh, but the ending is pretty anticlimactic. I mean, yeah, you can, I guess, find the treasure or whatnot. But then the ending scene is like Beat Takeshi just – a caricature of Beat Takeshi's head just going, well, yeah, you did. That's Good it. job. Yep. <laughs> and if you leave You'd it really, on too long, it's like – it says something like, why are you taking this so seriously? Yeah. <laughs> why did you spend all this time? <laughs> <laughs> And apparently uh, they did publish a strategy guide, but that was incomplete because apparently even the strategy guide writers could not figure it out. So they had to release like a second volume. <laughs> wow. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So 
Yeah, that that that's what you hear about a lot as far as like infamous Japanese games, and uh, some people get the details a bit wrong, and I, I'm sure we did a little bit here as well. But now that there's an English patch, like you can find little walkthroughs and things and play it for yourself because there is like this path of tasks you need to do in, in a very certain way mm-hmm. to get through. <laughs> like you have to go here first, and then you have to divorce your wife and stuff. And uh, yeah, but it's not like it makes it clear that's what you need. Yeah, you just have to figure it out by trial and error. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, not die, essentially. <laughs> hmm. And uh, it, but it also has this really weird sort of. You can't really tell if it's purposefully buggy or what, because like in that first scene in the game, you like punch your boss, but he like just goes through the desk, and that's sort of like this weird memorable thing for people. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't make any sense, but why would he even move or anything? So it's kind of, it is, uh, it's kind of a, a delinquent game in that sense. <laughs> it's it's really not something. That you can really trust, and you see that like from the get go, and uh, you just have to like go with it essentially. And so, I, yeah, I'm sure it made a lot of kids cry. Takeshi <laughs> was never forgiven. Huh. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't involved in too many games after that. Yeah, that yeah surprising. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably the closest closest analog would, for us would have been the unreleased uh, Penn and Teller game. Yeah, which, that's right. Okay, I was trying <laughs> sure. to think of an analog, but yeah, right. Yeah, again. Prankster is just trying to make a pranky game. A game that's not like a normal game. Something just to mess with you, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, and yeah, and that's, that's a good episode. That was, like uh, we said before, the very first episode, but he also, uh, Arino also challenged it uh, live years later in a two-hour live special, so you can watch him play through it if you really want. I think that was fan-subbed. I don't remember offhand, but I think it should be or something like that. Maybe a, maybe a, a highlight reel. Um but yeah, that's it. That's that's those are the games we wanted to talk about. Those are the games that uh, intrigued us during our, during our time viewing Game Center CX. And uh, of course, if you haven't yet, go ahead and listen to that main episode all about Game Center CX, and we'll tell you many many reasons why you should watch it. And yeah, um, that that's it. Uh, that does it for our uh, pocket episode this week. Thanks. Actually, uh, one one uh, one really quick footnote. Um, by a strange coincidence, the games that Bob and I picked were released two days apart in wow. Japan. <laughs> December eighteenth, nineteen eighty six, for uh, oh, for uh, Medulla, and then uh, December twentieth, nineteen eighty six, for Layla. Oh, that's crazy! And they're it, so similar. There's just something about nineteen eighty six, man. <laughs> it's also crazy the games were released in December back then. Yeah. As opposed to the dead period that that is here. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty common in Japan actually, because that's that's kind of a holiday popular time, uh, and also a chance for for publishers to make book at the last minute in the year, yeah, and bump up their numbers. Yeah, because Japanese are big on Christmas, but then maybe they don't take it quite as seriously. Like they're more about uh, the New Year mm-hmm. holiday, more like so. To have things released like the day after Christmas is not that uncommon. So, uh, well, Justin, thanks again for joining us. No, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, so this does mark the uh, the last Retronauts of this uh, season, this year that you people helped us uh, kickstart, and uh, we thank you, of course, for all that. Um, Are you going to keep the dream alive? That has been the question, isn't it? That has <laughs> been the question left here on the table by so many people uh, ever like way before we even ended. It's like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? So uh, I think we can uh, talk about that a little bit here. Uh, first of all, I want to say I think this is going to be my last Retronauts as a host for a little bit. Um, just because, you know, I have other 
commitments in my life and it's been a little bit hard to schedule things on Retronauts and, you know, I have some other ideas for personal projects that I would want to get geared up. Um, that's basically it. But I'm still on the board of directors, so to speak. <laughs> and so, you know, if I'm needed to be a guest on the show, I certainly will be. And who knows? Maybe I'll muscle in and just say, hey, I want to host this. Let me host this. Um, but that, that's essentially it. So that's, that's where I'm going to end up. However, like I said, I'm still here in a supporting role and uh, we are going to go ahead and try and fund another uh, season of this show. And we are using uh, Patreon to do that this time. Uh, because that's what everyone does now. Of course. Yeah, well, we want to be cool like you kids. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> be, before we talk about that, though, I think it's it's important to talk about the fact that we haven't fulfilled all of our Kickstarter obligations and we recognize that fact and we're still working on those things and we don't expect people to give us more money. Uh, mm-hmm. Just take it on faith that we're going to get stuff done. Like we're, we're going to be taking a bit of a hiatus now uh, from recording episodes. Uh, I think we'll be back in October. Um, and in the downtime between the seasons, we're, really committed to getting as many of those side projects, the, those commitments taken care of as possible. The DVD, the artwork, the book, things like that. Um, it's something we don't take lightly and we are committed to. And we have been, you know, we have set money aside to make sure those things can be paid for and mailed out. So please um, be confident that you will see those things in, in pretty short order yeah. this fall, definitely. And our priority has been the podcast, and it takes a lot of work. So um, that's not an excuse or anything, but you can consider consider our Kickstarter like a reverse Kickstarter. You got the product first, like almost immediately, <laughs> and then the goodies will come later. So right. yeah, yeah, and and it should be noted that when we started this the the Kickstarter for this, um, I had a different job with fewer responsibilities. Bob and Ray were out of work, and you know, kind of freelancing and. Uh, we all lived in San Francisco or yeah. the Bay Area, and none of those things are true anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, managing the logistics with massive life changes that have happened in the time that we've been doing this has been really, really difficult. So I feel bad that we haven't you know, gotten all of the Kickstarter rewards mailed out and taken care of. And it's not a lack of caring or commitment or even, you know, attention to the fact that those things need to be done on our part. It's just been doing the podcast has been a lot harder than it was at first, just because of all the things that have changed uh, outside of our expectations. So this is a, this is, you know, the next, next few weeks, next couple of months are a chance for us to get all those things in order. Yeah. At no point did we ever empty your money on, on a bed and roll around in it. <laughs> Although we could have, there was a lot of it. <laughs> sure. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't feel great about it, but we're, we're trying here. And the, the details of what we're going to do are not completely hammered out yet, but I, I think we can say that based on what Jeremy just said and what we what we were, were saying is that uh, we're going to go with something that's more focused on just getting a podcast out there. Uh, yeah, the way that Patreon works is like you can fund people to produce that specific episode, but then there are also I think sure. stretch goals in some way for that as well. But you're not yeah. going to really be going for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and we're not. We may not do such extravagant rewards this time around. But that's what I like about Patreon is that. It's ongoing and by extension, it's scalable. So we can change things around at will if we really want to or whatever happens. It's not like Kickstarter where we all have to do it in one big lump and then, you know, go forward from there. So I think that's sort of what you'll expect in the coming uh, weeks, I think. Yeah, I think also it helps that a lot of the big material expenses we had uh, with the Kickstarter, 
no longer exist. They're taken care of. We have equipment and things yeah. like that. Although we so, do need a new mixer now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the mic ports yeah. is broken. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's kind of small in the, the grand yeah. scale yeah. of, <laughs> we, we had to buy a lot of stuff to get this podcast going and uh, up to, up to steam. I mean, we started in a vault and we're still in the vault, but when we started in it, it was uh, very, very rickety. The, pa- the floor was lined with paper. Now there's an actual carpet here. Uh, we bought soundproofing blankets, so now the room sounds a bit better. Uh, it's still not super professional voiceover quality, but uh, I think the, the the audio quality of the show here in the studio has improved a bit. I think so, yeah. That's good, and that was you know based on things that we actually managed to research and buy because of the, the generous uh, funds that we were given. Yeah. So, and we can certainly continue that. But again, like I said, we're just going to focus on, again, just getting a podcast out there while finishing up the Kickstarter stuff, and then uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see what happens from there. Um, but yeah, look for all the full details in a few weeks after this show, and uh, you can find out from there. It will be on Patreon. And uh, of course, please follow us on Twitter uh, as Retronauts and on Retronauts.com. You will find news updates there. We will link the hell out of it. We will bug you incessantly yeah. <laughs> about this Patreon. Don't worry. You'll find out yeah, all about and it. There's there's still the um the backer shout out episode that we need to record. So yes. that I think there I think there will be some some stuff showing up in the feed between now and the uh, the end of the yeah. hiatus. Do not unsubscribe from our from our feed, please. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Unless you want to unsubscribe and then resubscribe en masse. And maybe that'll like bump us up to the top of iTunes. But <laughs> we can finally knock off all those Garnet Lee podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one will ever unsee Garnet Lee. <laughs> I don't want to say thank you to everybody, though. I've really enjoyed this whole year, even though it's been a lot of work. And uh, my favorite part of any week is Monday when I read comments and message board threads and things like that. Even if they're not always nice, uh, I do enjoy feedback because um, we don't personally make money from this. So that's like that's like the, the current the currency I traffic in is like comments and whatnot good feelings yeah, yeah. I, I would i would like in, in the future for us to actually make some money off of this i'm not afraid to say that that would be I nice think it's okay for us to put in a lot of time and actually get something out of it but mm-hmm. i i have to say that this this season of retronauts has really reinvigorated my enjoyment of, of podcasting it's so always something that was kind of like a burden and a frustration to me in the past and I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed it. Maybe it's because it's, well, it's... It's not even because it's optional. Like, it was always optional at, at 1UP. Um, we didn't have to do the podcast. But I've just... I, I've enjoyed it, even even though it's been stressful and the logistics have sometimes been really difficult with me having relocated across the country. Like, I've had a good time. So I appreciate everyone who made this possible. Yeah. Thank you. And speaking for the fans, thanks to you guys for keeping it alive. I know this is probably one of the most beloved podcasts from from the old one-up days and it definitely fills a yeah. niche that, that not a lot of other uh, programs out there do mm. so I think the fans really really love that it's pretty much the only survivor really it's the only it's the only <laughs> one-up podcast that is still has its same name yeah. yeah 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 and that's always crazy and you know people kept the old archives going one way or another people have been putting it on cloud drives and whatnot they should put on archive.org and just keep it in a more permanent place but that's not needed yeah i I think i think ign wants to keep it going but i i don't know if they are entirely clear on the logistics of where stuff was stored but i'm actually um i'm actually in contact with uh, pear schneider the the vip at Mm -hmm. ign to make sure like if we see if we can figure out a way to to keep the stuff online on ign servers so hopefully, I don't think they're up now, but but hopefully, we can get all the old episodes up and running and, and kind of permanently archived on the internet. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Either way, I've saved all the ones I've hosted. So. Me too. <laughs> and I've been on. So, <laughs> so I'm covered. 
we're good as far as ego is concerned. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry about that. All right. Um, any other comments, guys? Or Just, right? like, stay tuned. we got great stuff in plan for you guys, so been a good year and change and we will revisit old topics because it's been a long time some of you are new and we've grown and different things have happened so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean there's still like at least 15 other castlevania games for me to talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, let's see well i think i've talked about everything let's see games here cx i did a whole magazine about those summer games i'm not gonna do a podcast <laughs> now but i mean even though oh yeah there was um go ahead. there was there there's still a few backer episodes that we haven't done those will those will happen in the next season oh for sure yeah. yes we haven't and forgotten i think i think there's like four episodes yeah. left that we haven't done yet well a couple people still need to actually reply to our emails but <laughs> <laughs> yes well are, are people going to be able to watch you guys play games in the interim Playing some maybe classic games, maybe wearing a uh, Game Center CH uniform. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have streams, so pay attention to our yeah. live, our uh, social media stuff, and we'll let you know when that happens. And they're all archived. Too, yeah, I just, uh, I just invested in a, um, a RGB modded Super NES and a Frame Meister, and, and well, someone gave me the Frame Meister, which was very nice of them. So I, I want to like make use of this thing. So I'm probably going to stream a lot of Super NES and, and Super Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because by God, I can. <laughs> yeah, so that that's definitely on the docket, or should be anyway. But uh, yeah, and even though I won't be around, you know, I have uh, done some great episodes here that I really enjoyed. Thanks to our guests and just you guys also just contributing and people who helped out a lot. And so yeah. Well, Ray, thanks for participating, and we'll we'll keep dragging you into this, yes. <laughs> whether you like it or not. Can't escape, Ray. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. That does it for us for this season. Of course, thank you, everybody, for listening and liking us. I would say uh, just uh, keep uh, watching the skies, huh. let's say, and may Arino smile over you. <laughs> or something of that. That's nature. creepy. All right. <laughs> thank you, and good night. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.